You're listening to X-Ray FM, KXRY Portland at 91.1 FM, K296FT West Haven serving Portland at 107.1 FM, and K219KU Nehalem serving Nehalem, Manzanita, and Rockaway Beach at 91.7 FM, streaming live and archived at xray.fm. Radio is yours. And now, it's time for Blazer's Edge. Blake to inbound. The Blazers have a 20-second timeout. Nate McMillan deciding whether to use it. Blake now throws to Roy. Brandon, a three-pointer out front. Hit it! Yes, he did! Oh, yeah! Batum throws to Lillard. A three for the game. Hey, hey, welcome into another edition of Blazers Edge Radio right here on X-Ray FM. I am your host, Ryan Buchanan, joined by my good friend and co-host, Mr. Sam Arnold. Back in the saddle, we've got Stephen Glickman here as well, working hard behind the scenes, doing a fine job as always. Gentlemen had an unexpected week off last week, but now we're uh, back here and ready to talk about the Blazers. And Sam, it's been a... Uh, Interesting stretch because you've had a lot of competitive games, but you're not able to finish them out. As the Blazers have now lost four straight, uh, going back to an overtime loss uh, back about a week and a half ago, uh, Saturday, December 2nd, at Utah, lost in overtime, lost a tight one against the Golden State Warriors uh, last Wednesday, and then uh, Friday you lost against Luka and Dallas back at home. And then right back on the road, uh, lost a, a heartbreaker against the L.A. Clippers last night in a, in a game that was a lot closer than it probably had any business being considering the guys that were out for Portland and everyone that was playing for the Clippers. Uh, but, you know, as we stand here, you know, right about we're just past the quarter uh, pole of our season, 22 games in, uh, and we are going to give our quarter season awards coming up accordingly um, in a little bit. But uh, Blazers stand at six and 16 right now. Obviously, not in any kind of playoff or playing contention as it stands. You've had some injuries, uh, and but that's not really the reason. <laughs> you know that that has certainly played a, a role. But this is clearly it's not a very good team right now. You've mm-hmm. got you've got a lot of talent. Clearly, and individual players have certainly stepped up, but as a team, it's obviously just been a a struggle this year to to finish out games specifically. As you've been in most games, and I think that's something to feel good about, is you're you're not getting blown out. You've only had a couple times where you've really gotten blown out. But overall, you know, as we're quarter way through the year now, how are you feeling about this team? Yeah, I'm... I'm I'm feeling better, especially now that we're getting some of the guys back on the roster. Uh, Anthony's looked really good, I thought. Um, yeah. Scoot, especially last night, Scoot looked, had a career night. Yeah, so it's it's all trending in the right direction. 
Um, now, obviously, missing Aiton now that that Grant, puts another yeah. You, you got some you got some more uh, road bumps to mm-hmm. to, to kind of get over. Uh, but I'm I'm feeling better. I mean, this season again, we were never really in contention to be competitive this year. So no. what I'm feeling is. Honestly, if we keep developing the way we are developing and we're playing these good teams very close for basically the entire game, I don't care if we lose every single game. I mean, in fact, that might be the best case scenario because we're going to get a better draft pick, but our team still looks good. So I'm fine with it. I'm I'm pretty happy with how things are going lately. Yeah. I I mean, yeah, I think for a 6-16 and team, you're probably feeling about as good as possible, right? All things considered, you know, again, we didn't have the expectations. If this was a team with Damian Lillard still on it, it would be an entirely different story. But given everything that's happened and uh, kind of our our tempered expectations for this year, I'm right there with you. I'm feeling pretty good about this team. Mostly it's just the fact that, yeah, you're, you're in these games. You're not losing by double digits every night. You're in these games right till the end. You're having trouble putting together complete performances, but that's to be expected with a young team. So all things mm-hmm. considered, um, I got to say I'm pretty happy with this team. And I, I got to give Chauncey Billups some credit because I, I feel like he's done a a decent job this year, you know, keeping guys involved and, and tweaking around the lineup a bit here and there, uh, making adjustments as needed, and, and getting this team to at least play hard on a night-in and night-out basis. I know we've been uh, pretty critical of him um, throughout his tenure here with the team, but I, I think overall this year uh, I'm not disgusted with what I'm seeing. Sure. <laughs> I guess we'll take that. <laughs> I, I, that's not much of an accomplishment. Uh, accomplishment yeah. But, you yeah. know, I, I want to give him a little bit of credit because I feel like I feel like the guys are playing hard. You yeah. know, guys aren't taking nights off. You're playing hard defensively, and that's to be expected with the young team as well. But I, I feel like the the team is gelling uh, chemistry-wise in terms of the veterans and the, and the uh, younger players as well, too, and I think he's got to uh, get some credit for that. Yeah, no, I I I think so too, and you know, especially if we continue to see development, and especially in Scoot, that's obviously the I think that's going to be the biggest marker of if this season mm-hmm. is a success. Is does Scoot Henderson develop into a viable NBA starter by yep. the end of the year? And it's looking like we're trending in that we're trending that way. He's, a lot of this year, he's looked pretty bad. Yeah, he's yeah, very but, bad. For and most it of the didn't year. it didn't help that he got hurt for several weeks in there and was out of the lineup. But last night he looked really good, and that's certainly a step in the right direction. And the other big thing I th- I see with Scoot that I think really helps, it doesn't appear as that his confidence is shaken at all despite the rough start. Yeah. So I think that's key. You know, a lot of times you can see a guy get off to a rough start and they just, you know, disappear into a hole. Right. But that does not appear to be the case with Scoot Henderson, so that's good to see. I think he'll he'll figure this thing out. You know, it's a it's an adjustment. He's got some nice uh, guards around him to kind of help him out with Brogdon and with Anthony Simons. I think that certainly helps him out as well. Um, and I again, I guess think we're going to continue to see uh, improvement from Scooter uh, as the season progresses. And last night was was huge, huge mm-hmm. uh, career high nineteen points. Um, so that was great. Fourteen in the in the first half alone, he really looked solid out there and and keeping his head up. And I think that's really important for him. Now, before we take a deep dive into the uh, last couple of games here, Sam, I want to talk about the uh, inaugural NBA in season tournament yeah. as it has come to a close. The LA Lakers 
champions, they are going to raise a banner. Are, are they really? They are going to raise oh a banner. Gosh. Yep. Oh, uh, there was God. a champagne shower in the locker room after they uh, they won this thing, and they got a little cash, and now we can all move on with our lives. But all told, what were your thoughts on the inaugural NBA in-season tournament? I mean, so first of all, I thought it was hilarious that the Lakers won the whole thing because I don't think you could have picked a more, like, conspiracy theory <laughs> uh, scripted team to have won the inaugural in-season mm. tournament and LeBron James winning the in-season MVP. Like, come on, this is it's kind of silly. But I, I do think there's something that needs to be said that the level of intensity, especially in the later games, was more than just a regular middle of the season regular season game um yeah here we go i <laughs> got the music going yeah yeah it's all scripted um yeah i don't know it's i i don't i still don't understand why they did it so early in the year that's kind of my biggest thing is i i feel like you do this halfway through the year even two-thirds of the way through the year or something you know might make a little more sense because or you, you don't have to do it at or all. Or you don't have to do it at all. Yeah, you, you, that's the <laughs> other option. But, you know, basically we're, we're at about a quarter of the way through the year, right? Yeah. So you're ending the end-season tournament at the first quarter of the year. So now we have to sit through three quarters of season with nothing. Like if, if your whole thing was let's make the regular season more exciting, why not put it in the middle of the season? Yeah. <laughs> like, don't do it at the beginning of the well. year. These Weird. are the details that you typically would hammer out before you implement yeah, something like right. this, but apparently we didn't. Yeah, I don't know. I I mean, my expectations for it were it was slightly better than I expected, yeah. and I expected less than nothing. Mm-hmm. So it didn't completely suck. It did appear that guys, especially towards the end, started to take it seriously. So I guess, yeah, from that perspective, it was, it was not bad, but... All told, I think people are making this out to be a bigger, bigger success than it actually. Yeah, is. I agree. I, I think you know, I, I've heard people say you like, oh, this was a game, this a game changer, right? This is <laughs> no, it's not. No, right? <laughs> you got a couple good games in you know late November, early December. Mm-hmm. That's it. There might have been a couple good games anyway. We don't know that it's the in season tournament, but you got people talking, and you know, yeah, I guess it wasn't a complete dumpster fire, so I'll give it that. But. Uh, it still didn't get me going, Stephen. Yeah. So, the uh, uh, soccer is growing in popularity, and that's where this idea came from. Yeah. The thing about soccer is, if you just go through the season and you play your rivalry games, you come out into the, the season. If you're in first place, you win. That's it. There's no playoffs. Right. right. So the in season tournaments, the FA Cups, the EFL trophies, those types of things, are the only time that you have a, a critical thing where, like, win now or not. So it's the closest thing to the playoffs they have in. Uh, in football for most of the world. So I think that this was really successful in terms of it's another thing for players. It's an early dry run for the playoffs when you have to win now. It's an elimination tournament. And, uh, you know, what are the bad sides? The bad sides were they didn't market to the players how important this was supposed to be. And the courts were horrible. Yes. Mm-hmm. But courts I think that, and, and I think you're right. I think this should be something that takes place January, February. So now do we go with the courts again next year? Oh, please no. Please no. Just like, if you want to make a special court, I I have no problem with that. My thing was like, 
you know, they introduced the city uniforms mm-hmm. at, at the first game of the end season. Why not just have a city edition court? A lot of teams do that anyway. Why not just have that be your in season tournament court? Like but, that's, then, but then how will we know it's an in season well, tournament game true. if we don't have the bright we, court? We, to yeah, that's us. true. That's true. You know, because the NBA be really honest, thought of everything. Let's be honest, most people wouldn't have known if it wasn't <laughs> for those courts that that's, they were watching. That is actually true. Because the games were not consecutive. No. You played games on like Tuesday and Friday and then you had other regular season games. Yeah. I don't know. It wasn't a complete dumpster fire, I'll give it that, but um that's about all I'm willing to give it. Yeah. Congrats, I guess, to LeBron and the Lakers for their illustrious championship. Yeah. It's uh it's about as illustrious as the Blazers' multiple summer league titles, honestly. Yeah. So, <laughs> right. There you go. Nice little feather in your cap for the Lakers. All right, let's talk Blazers, Sam. And by the way, uh, text line is open if you want to get in your thoughts. Maybe you really liked it. Maybe this was a game changer for you. We want to hear from you. We want to hear your thoughts on the Blazers as well. Maybe you want to fill out a ballot for our quarter season awards for the NBA, not for the Blazers specifically. Text line is open at 971-220-5979. That is 971-220-5979. Seven nine. Now let's talk Blazers, Sam. Let's roll it back to uh, Friday night game against the Dallas Mavericks. Uh, Dallas Mavericks team that has got off to a a nice start this year. Certainly a nicer start than I would have expected. And perhaps an even bigger shocker is that it is December twelfth, and we have not had a Kyrie Irving incident. Yeah, who could have possibly seen that coming? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, my God. Okay, uh, in terms of more unlikely, mm-hmm. December 12th, if I were to tell you that the Minnesota Timberwolves would have the best record in the NBA or that Kyrie Irving would not have an incident by this point in the season, which would have been more unlikely oh, to you? Oh, it's Minnesota for sure. I don't. I don't, can't even remember if I had them. I think I might have had them as a play-in team this year. I had them ranked really low this year because, I mean, who, yeah. who could have thought they, they would have come back like They had a this? horrible year last year. Yeah. They look great now. But the fact that Kyrie Irving has usurped them because he (laughs) has not had a major incident, the Mavs actually looked pretty good. Yeah. 13-8 and after this win against the Blazers um, on Friday night. And they've got an interesting team, Sam, because you've got got Kyrie and Luke, and now Kyrie got hurt in this game, and uh, sounds like he's going to miss a little bit of time. Uh, Got a heel contusion. Apparently he left the... uh, arena in a wheelchair of course he did which seems a bit dramatic for a heel contusion but uh more power to him uh, <laughs> but uh Kyrie Irving left this game relatively early but it didn't matter because there's a guy in Dallas named Luka Doncic that mm-hmm. is uh right there in that MVP race that we're going to talk about he had another great game 32 points six boards 10 assists uh doing a lot of his damage in a first half for the Mavericks where they absolutely obliterated Portland uh 74 points I believe in that first half for Dallas not good defense for a Blazers that has been a top 10 defense all year um now obviously you're without your anchor in uh DeAndre Ayton Mm -hmm. for this game as he's missed the last couple of games with knee soreness uh, also, by the way, without Jeremy Grant and Malcolm Brogdon for the last couple of games. But you do have Anthony Simons back. But just a uh, yeah, huge first half for the 
the Dallas Mavericks specifically with Luka Doncic and uh, also Dante Exum. Dante Exum, who's still kicking around in the league, um, and he had a great game, easily the best I've ever seen him mm-hmm. in an NBA game. Uh, 23.6 boards, 7 assists. He played a huge role in this one, uh, particularly when Kyrie went down. Kyrie limited to just 13 minutes with that injury. Uh, our old friend Derek Jones had a nice impact. He's having a yeah. nice year yeah, he is. in the starting lineup for, for Dallas. They've got an interesting team. Derek Lively has looked like a really good first-round pick for yeah. them. Uh, he's been their starting center, and that's been a huge revelation for them. Um, this is an interesting team. And then you got a guy like you know Tim Hardaway Jr. coming off the bench, along with the uh, Stephen – Curry, uh, sorry, Seth Curry, Dwight Powell, Marcus Morris, or Markeith Morris. Markeith? Markeith. Well, where's Marcus these days? Is he still uh, with the Clippers? No, I no, think I he think he was part him. of that Philly deal, wasn't he? These are the Sixers, yes, yeah. correct. So he's in, uh, He's in. you're right, he was part of that Philly I don't think he's Philly playing, deal. though. I think he's injured or just DNP or something. Okay. I don't think he's actually making an impact anywhere. Well, Markeith played seven minutes in this game. Didn't make much of an impact yeah. um, either. But Tim Hardaway, huge game off the bench, 20 points, four rebounds for him. I mentioned Dante Exum with a great game. Luka, uh, Derek Lively dominating in the paint and uh sam just too much luca ultimately is what this one comes down to in this game but there were some positives for the blazers you know you give up 125 you give up 74 in the first half that's not very good uh but there were a lot of positives in this game sam and uh anthony simon certainly stands out is he came back much earlier than i expected to see Mm -hmm. him back and he has looked fantastic 30 points Five boards, eight assists as the starting point guard with Malcolm Brogdon still out. Scoot Henderson coming off the bench, and he looks like a star. Mm-hmm. He looks like a star out there, and you couple that with his backcourt mate uh, to start this game, Shaden Sharp, who went through a little bit of a rough stretch, but he has really bounced back nicely, and he is putting together a great stretch of basketball. 24 points, nine boards, five assists for, for Shaden in this game. Incredibly efficient as well, 50% from the field. 50% from three and five of six from the free throw line. You didn't get a whole lot of help in terms of the offensive production, but that's to be expected with all the guys out. You right. know, that's a, with Aiton, Grant, and Brogdon, that's a significant portion of your offense there. But just the, those guys stepping up, uh, got to give you some confidence going forward if you're the Blazers. Oh, definitely. And I, I don't think it's a coincidence that. Shaden's bump and efficiency and scoring and basically everything is coinciding with Anthony Simons mm. coming back because Anthony is drawing a lot of attention from opponent, opposing yeah. defenses already, and that's giving Shaden a much better chance to get open looks, get to the rim, be more of himself, a little more uninhibited. Because, you know, before when Anthony was out, what is every defense going to think? Oh, Shaden Sharp's the guy right now, especially when, when Jeremy went down. Um, right. So this is allowing Shaden to develop a lot more. And, he, man, he looks really good. Amphrony looks like a bona fide number one option right now. Um, I mean, he, he looks really, really good. I'm, I've been very happy with how he came back. Because you never know how guys are going to come back from long injuries like this. Right. And he just kind of jumped in immediately and looked great. He did, and I'm curious to see how long he can keep it up. Yes, yes. That's been the key right. for him is consistency, right? And so I want to see him be able to keep it up. Um, what do you make of uh, Scoot still coming off the bench? You like that? 
I'm I'm fine with it honestly because he's getting enough minutes. He's he's up. Yeah, he played to that. thirty minutes. Yeah. Now he had a he had a rough game against Dallas, this, yeah. <laughs> which is what makes what he did last night all the more impressive because this was one of his worst games uh, in, in his year, rookie year so far. Thirty minutes, four of seventeen from the field, zero of six from three, uh, ten points, three assists, but four turnovers, four fouls. He was a minus nineteen, yeah, in the plus minus category. I mean, I think essentially what we're seeing with Scoot Henderson right now is everybody was hoping he would be kind of like a Ja Morant coming into the league, right? Right in there, yep. And he's turning out to be a little bit more Westbrook than Morant, Um, meaning he still has elite athleticism. He can still do some very impressive things, but his shot is not consistent at all, and you can't rely on it. And sometimes he's going to have games where he hits a bunch of threes and you're like, whoa, where did this come from? This guy's a terrible shooter, just like Russell Westbrook does. You know, yep. Russell Westbrook can hit like four or five threes in a game and you say, what the heck is this? This guy's a terrible shooter. So I think we're seeing a little bit more of that. Now, luckily, Scoot Henderson's super young. He's going to yep. develop his shot. This yep. is, It's going to be fine. I mean, talking about John Morant even, he didn't have a good jump shot when he first came into the league either, and he, that's developed quite a bit. Um, other super athletic guys, Derek Rose didn't have a good jump shot coming into the league, so there's a lot of time for Scoot to develop this. It's looking encourage, encouraging, especially after the game last night. Um, his jumper looked really good, nice and smooth. Uh, I'm very encouraged with it, and I don't mind him coming off the bench at all because he gets to play against slightly weaker defenses. Uh, he can kind of be the guy when he's in with that second unit a little bit more, um, have a little bit more of a defined role because I feel like especially early in the year, he was really struggling on how to fit in with yep. guys like Anthony Simons and Shaden Sharp. And, you know, letting him come in with that second unit allows him to kind of develop his own identity a little bit more. Yeah, and he's still working a lot with Shaden yeah. in that second unit. Um, they've been able to pair those two together, which is good because, Great. again, that's your that's theoretically your backcourt of the future. I know right. with how Ant's playing right now, I don't know that anybody's looking to <laughs> maybe move on from him, even though, you know, he's a, he's only – lest we forget he's only a couple years older he's just been around for a little bit longer but it's going to be curious to see how everything shakes out and you know can you keep those three all together going forward and if you do that conventional wisdom would say somebody's got to come off the bench Mm -hmm. and i don't think scoot's going to come off the bench forever let's hope not you don't (laughs) you don't want to use a top three pick on a bench player right but do you move Anthony Simons to the bench after that? I mean, it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting yeah. to see how this all it's shakes out. It's gonna be really out. interesting. But for right now, I like what they're doing, yeah. especially with Malcolm out, mm-hmm. where you can go a, a Simons and a Sharp as the starters, and then Scoot as your lead guard coming off the bench. I also want to talk about Chris Murray because he got a little bit of run in this game with some guys out, and he looked good. Sam, uh, eighteen minutes uh five points five rebounds a steal looked comfortable out there so that's good to see i want to keep seeing him get some minutes going forward even when guys get back healthy because i i think he's a guy who uh can really help you out uh and and i think it's important to get him consistent minutes i don't need to see 20 minutes a night but i want to see him keep getting out there and getting his feet wet and if you're not you might as well send him to the g league where he can get some consistent time. right right yeah because i think you know, positionally, playing a guy like Duop Reith makes a lot more sense, especially with eight and out. Like, you need you need somebody to fill that role. I don't really like seeing Duop Reith play 20-plus minutes in these games, but I was glad to see Chris Murray. Um, we didn't see him at all last night, uh, which shows me that Chauncey isn't willing to commit to him yet, which is still really frustrating. But Yeah, there's something... 
Yeah, there it is weird, right? Yeah. Because it was you would have assumed that coming into the year that Murray would have been ahead of Tumani Kamara and the depth chart just yeah. because one was a first round pick, one was a late second round pick that yep. you didn't even pick. Yep. Right? Phoenix picked it. Right. Picked him up. But clearly Tumani is Chauncey's guy. Mm-hmm. And he you're right, he does seem hesitant. There I don't want to say there's something there, but it's there's some hesitation on Chauncey's part to really get Chris Murray involved. And it's it's a bit weird to me because he's a, clearly he's a pretty polished player playing, you know, three years in school. He comes out there, he looks like he knows what he's doing. But clearly there's something behind the scenes where Chauncey is just not comfortable yet yeah. really um, letting him go. And honestly, it's frustrating because the team in the standings is so bad this year. Why are we essentially let running him, out yeah. eight-man rotations? Right. I mean, we're running out work, playoff rotations. Let him figure rotations. it out on the court. Yeah, exactly. Because we're losing anyway. It doesn't matter. Right. Nobody's expecting us <laughs> yeah. to, to win games You're this six year. You're 6-16. Yeah. yeah. It was we're, not, we're not competitive. Yeah. That's not going to change. I mean, change. you are competitive, but not in the standings. Yes, in the standings, yeah. And yeah. that's that's what I was saying earlier, too, is all of these games, we're making them competitive. We haven't been blown out in a long time. And that's great to see. But I would rather see the young players develop this year because I don't care if we're in every single game by five points, but if we're playing, especially when everybody's healthy, if we're running Jeremy and Brogdon Mm -hmm. into the ground and not playing our young players, what's the point? I mean, we're in a rebuild right now. The, the, The front office and the coaching staff has to recognize we are in a rebuild. We're not trying to be competitive this isn't like oh man but when we're healthy we're gonna make some noise like no we let's not kid ourselves let's not kid ourselves let's develop these young players so we can be a good team in a year or two rather than trying to be a a mediocre team at best (laughs) this year right trying to get to that 11 seed yeah right exactly all in on that yeah might as well just just yeah again uh develop your players and that's going to be the key and as you mentioned yeah uh, you went with the eight-man rotation last night, and yep. the game against the Clippers that I mentioned was a lot more competitive than it probably had any business being. Yep. Um, and that the Clippers basically at full strength, right? They have they've had a weird year. They got off to a yep. first couple games; they looked really good coming out of the gate, and then they decided to trade for James Harden, and they looked awful. Mm-hmm. And now they've moved Westbrook to the bench, which I believe was actually Westbrook yeah, volunteered his, his um, to come off the bench. And that has seemed to have worked out mm-hmm. um, because they have been able to stabilize things a little bit there. You know, right now, a couple games over 512 and 10, but they went through a stretch. I think they lost their first, what, six or seven games after acquiring James yeah, Harden. Like that. Uh, so they've started to figure things out a little bit. But if you look at the Blazers uh, eight man rotation that was in this game, uh, Kamara, Reith, Tybal, Simons, and Sharp were your starters with Jabari Walker, Moses Brown, and Scoot Henderson coming off the bench. Uh, the fact that they gave up 127, the Clippers, and this was a five-point game when you had George, Leonard, Zubak, yeah. Harden, Mann, and then, you know, Powell, Westbrook, Tice off the bench. Like, this is a win for the Blazers right yeah, here. I mean, definitely. you're looking at the Clippers saying, how was this game that close? Yeah. And especially considering the fact that the Clippers scored 43 in the first quarter alone. And that looked like they sh- that should have been the game, right? Mm-hmm. They shot 76% from the field in the first quarter, but the Blazers made adjustments. And this is where I've got to give Chauncey Billups credit again, because the Blazers in that first quarter were just hemorrhaging points in the paint. 
hemorrhaging points in the paint. I think Zubak had 14 in the first quarter, if I'm not mistaken, and he ended up with 18 in the game. Uh, but he, they were just dominating inside. Duopreith was just not able to get it done, and Chauncey made a key move, and he went to Moses Brown, who has really not gone to it all this year. Yeah. Uh, you talk about another guy that he clearly doesn't have that much confidence in, but he went to him because he's a big body, and he stepped up. Season high, 16 minutes for Moses, and he really helped shore up that perimeter uh, post defense. Just a bigger body. I think he's got, what, three, four inches on Dwop, and uh, six points, 12 rebounds in 16 minutes, Sam. Four offensive rebounds for Moses Brown. I mean, just a, a great job for him coming up. Uh, you know, the guy hasn't been playing at all. Yeah. And you throw him in there if you're Chauncey, and he really answered the call. So I know we've, you know, we've lamented the fact that why does Moses Brown have a guaranteed deal? Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm not saying that one game justifies it. Certainly not 16 minutes doesn't justify right. it. But you can see why teams keep taking a chance on him and why the Blazers gave him a guaranteed deal as he really stepped up. And you got to be f- happy for him that he was able to do that in this game when his when his number was called. Yeah, I mean, totally. I, I, it was good to see Chauncey make adjustments, like you were saying, because we haven't seen that a lot from him. Um, yeah, I mean, Moses Brown is kind of that, like, Boban Marjanovic effect where you know he's not actually that good of a player but he's just so big that you can throw him in there and he's going to disrupt things and as long as he's good at rebounding he's going to fit in on a team and that's like you were saying why people keep taking him why the Blazers have now taken him twice I mean after Mm -hmm. the draft and then uh, picking him up again so I'm I'm totally fine throwing in Moses for more minutes Um, I'm okay seeing if he can develop into anything, I kind of think we're just seeing what he is. Um, you know, it's like, you remember uh, Taco Fall on the oh, Celtics? Yeah. And, Who uh, could forget? And how he was such a fan favorite. And you would see him for flashes, and he would get all these rebounds because he's so much taller than everybody. But he really was not a good NBA player. He's not a good basketball player. He's just gigantic and huge. And sometimes it's good to have a weapon like that in your back pocket so – if you are going against a team that's rolling out a more traditional center like Evita Zubats, you can throw in a big body against him and slow him down a little bit. And he is a big body because he is, Sam, I'm looking it up here, he is 7'2", listed at 260, which I'm not buying. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, but I'm not buying yeah, that. Yeah, I don't but know about that. 7'2", I'm buying, yeah, for sure. Uh, Duop is only listed at 6'9". Yeah. And Duop Reith, you know, he's... I don't. I was a huge Dwap Reith fan coming into the year. We talked about at a great summer league, had a great preseason. Yeah, he's getting minutes with Robert Williams out, and now DeAndre Ayton out. He's gotten you know four starts. Um, how do I put this? The shine is starting to wear off yeah. a bit with Dwap Reith. Um, he, he's jacking up a lot of threes. Mm-hmm. He's not hitting it a very good clip. He can hit it. He can, not consistently. Um, and, but he, for whatever reason, has the greenest of green lights <laughs> on this team from three-point land. And he's also not, you know, for a, a guy who's starting at center, he's not a very good rebounder. He's only averaging two and a half rebounds a game. And that's clearly where you see Moses come yeah. in and was w- was big in that respect. But, um, you know, I'm still happy that Duop is on the team. He certainly earned his spot. But, um, I, I, yeah, I... I uh, Maybe walking back a little bit that he's a bona fide backup NBA center. Yeah, I mean, I I think you have to take this 
with like very literal lenses. You have to think about who Duop Reith is and as a player. I mean, Duop Reith is essentially like what Anthony Tolliver was. Like he's he's a guy that you don't want playing in the post because he's not good down there. He's not big enough down there. He's not strong enough down there. Sure, he can hit the three every once in a while, but do you want him being your three-point threat? Not really. So Duop Reith realistically just needs to be a role player. Right. If if you're saying, hey, we have a mismatch, they're going small, let's go small. We have a guy who can hit the three, we can play five out. Yeah, Duop Reith can do that. Honestly, I I still might want like Jabari Walker in that position. Um, well, Jabari is a great rebounder, and yeah, he has been went up until last night. Jabari has been your de facto backup five with yeah. Aiden out. It's right. been Reith starting and Jabari because Jabari plays big. Yeah, yeah, he's he a does. rebounding machine, and the, I think they're the same size too. I think Jabari is also six nine, um, or he's he's got to be at least very close. Jabari Maybe six, is eight. only listed as six seven, six seven. Okay, but wow. he plays a lot bigger than Duop. Yeah, yeah, he does. <laughs> he I mean, Jabari's does. an excellent rebounder. Yeah, I mean, it's it's, it's kind of like the Draymond Green effect when when you play Draymond at the five in those small ball lineups in Golden State, it doesn't feel like you're rolling out a guy who's six seven. Right. You know, he because he just plays bigger than that. And Duop does not. Duop like, plays smaller. Yeah, than he that. does. He's yeah. plays, he plays small. He plays like a wing player, and you can't have that when you're going against a team who's rolling out a traditional center because then you're going to give up a lot of second-chance points. Mm-hmm. And that's what was happening. But the Blazers able to right the ship in this game, get back into it, a, a competitive game, Sam. And this was really good to see. You mentioned the uh, career night from Scoot. Really got things going in the first half, 14 points en route to a career-high uh, 19 points for Mr. Henderson in this game. Scoot finished another 30-minute night, 19 points, 4 rebounds, 6 assists, 2 blocks, uh, 8 of 16 from the field, 3 of 4 from 3-point land. Easily his best game yep. in a professional setting. So far, Not professional setting. He played professionally, technically, for the G League Ignite. Easily his best game in his NBA career yep. so far for Scoot Henderson. And coming off of probably his worst performance... Just three nights earlier, that's huge. Yeah. The bounce back is huge. Yeah. And I, I think, unfortunately, that's just going to be something we have to get used to with Scoot. I, I don't think this is going to be like, well, look, Scoot just shot 75% from three, three of four, so now he's going to be able to shoot threes. I think next game there's a good chance we see 0% or maybe one of six or something like that. I don't think he's going to be a consistent shooter. I think he's just going to have – Flashes where he has a, a nice work in progress. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. One more thing I want to add about Duop Reith. I think this is where you're really seeing that the NBA regular season is a lot different than a summer league or an NBA preseason. Yeah. And that's where a guy like Duop Reith can look really, really good against guys that are good enough for summer league, you know, good enough to get big time preseason, not big time, but, you know, get preseason minutes. But aren't quite going to cut it when the uh, when it's time for your best players to hit the court, and I think that's what you're seeing with Duop Breathe. He's not meant to be a starting center. You know, yep. he can be okay as a backup, but he's got to play within his his role. He's a role player, and that's exactly. what we've got to see with him. And unfortunately, right now, I mean, there's it's tough because with the injuries up front, he's being pressed into a larger role that, quite frankly, he's just not up to performing at the NBA level. Well, and quite frankly. He doesn't need to be in that role. We have, I mean, you can start Moses Brown. You can still play Moses Brown 15. Again, we're not, we don't need to be competitive this year. <laughs> this is what's so frustrating is like, we don't need to say, 
well, Duop Wreath gives us slightly more scoring opportunities, and we really need to score more. No, just roll out your young players. Duop Wreath's what, 26, 27 now? He's not a, a piece on this team in the future. Right. Yeah, like let's 27. let's be realistic here. Like Duop Wreath is is fun. He was a fun guy to root for. He has no place on the future of this team. So develop the young players, get this team better for the future, because sticking with a guy like Duop and playing him 25 to 30 minutes a night doesn't make any sense. And I'm not saying you need to play Moses Brown 25 or 30 minutes a night, but you have other options. Maybe play Duop 15. Maybe play Keegan 15. Maybe play Moses what about, 15. Uh, what about uh, Ibu? Uh, sure. Yeah. He, he's back. I don't know if yeah. you saw that. He's back. They uh, released James Bouye. Uh, Bouye. Bouye. Bouye, sorry. Uh, and, and Ibu Baji is back at a two-way contract. Yeah. Maybe throw him Man. back out there. Yeah, why not? Man, <laughs> Bouye... Or Bouye, I think, Bouye. right? Yeah. One of the worst NBA players I've ever seen in my entire life. <laughs> I got to be totally honest. He's terrible. He looks solid that first game. Uh, yeah, he had one. He had one. The other game's not so much. Really, really just bad. Like, bad. I'm, I'm glad he's gone. Okay, wow. Sorry. Sorry. Wow. Sorry. I have to. I, it's frustrating. These are the frustrations I get to have as a Blazers fan this year. <laughs> Shots fired. <laughs> he had a good first game. He wasn't able to. He wasn't but able to back it up. everything else was so bad. Yes, it was bad. But I still remember that first game. And I came on here and said, "Man, maybe you found something in James." Yeah, you Bouye. did. I remember and, that. Uh, no, you. Didn't. I was excited too. Yeah, I no, was excited didn't. too. But yeah. by the way, text rolling in. Moses has been putting up big numbers uh, at the G League uh, at a monster game with the remix. And yeah, the numbers are are pretty impressive. Uh, in four games for the remix this year, twenty or nineteen point three points on sixty-seven percent shooting, thirteen rebounds, and three blocks for Moses Brown. That's against G League competition, but yeah, uh, yeah maybe uh, throw him a bone, give him especially after the performance last night. Give him a little bit more time. Yeah, right. Just clearly good enough to put well. up the numbers in the G League. See what he could do at the big league level. Yeah. Thanks for the text. Uh, keep him coming. Nine seven one two two zero five nine seven nine. That's nine seven one two two zero. 5979 on the X-ray text sign. Uh, briefly, Sam, before we uh, cut to a break here and get to our quarter season NBA awards, I want to get your thoughts um, now on the Clippers. Um, is you've kind of been following them throughout yeah. the year. I know you've got about half their team on your uh, fantasy team as well, so you've got <laughs> yeah, a very vested interest in this Clippers team. What do you make of them? Uh, At this point, man. they're twelve and ten. They are one of the more perplexing teams in the league. They've got a lot of personalities, a lot of yep. ball dominant players. Yep. Um, they have been a weird team, right? At times they look great. At times they look awful. Mm -hmm. A lot of the time they look mediocre. Yes. Uh, <laughs> yes. So what do you make of them? Yeah, I mean, the thing with the Clippers is, last ten games they're seven and three. That's that's good. That's yes. that's very decent for the NBA. So they are figuring it out. The problem here is very clearly the depth because you have three guys. Um, Harden is looking like he's very much figuring it out on the team now. He's He looks like a different player than when they first got him. Paul George is hit and miss, but, man, Kawhi Leonard has been fantastic for this team. He looks like pre-injury Kawhi Leonard again. Guess how many combined games Paul George and Kawhi Leonard have missed this year? I don't think any. Zero. Yeah. They, and they're playing back-to-backs. As far as I know, the Clippers are supposed to play tonight. I've, as far as I know, they're all playing again. Yeah. And that's that's incredible. And honestly, But you're still 12 it. and 10. Yeah. 
And, and if you told me that those two have played every game and you're still right, because that's always been the right. key with the Clippers is I always wait till they're healthy. Yep. Well, they're healthy and they're two games above 500. Well, and a, and a lot, lot of that yep. was was figuring out how to integrate Harden, yep. and, and it seems like they've if, started to figure I mean, that yes, out. Seven and three over the last ten is very good. So I think we're seeing maybe signs of things to come. Now the problem is, especially with Paul George and Kawhi, these are some of the two most injury-prone guys in the entire league. One of these three happen. goes down, yep. this team is in a lot and of you trouble. you know it's going to happen. Just like happen. you know Kyrie is going to cause an instant, you know the T-Wolves <laughs> are going to tank, right? <laughs> you know all these things are going to happen. It's just a matter of when, right? right. The NBA is a rather predictable business, yeah. right? The Timberwolves are not going to finish with the best record in the West. Yep. Kyrie Irving will implode the Dallas Mavericks, and either Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, or probably both will get hurt. The the only thing you have going is Russell Westbrook did look good when he was starting before the James Harden trade. So if he needs to slide in, if Harden goes down, obviously you don't want to plug him in for Kawhi or Paul George. Uh, Norm Powell looks pretty good off the bench still. Um, Terrence Mann does not look that great, but he's no. he's starting and he's a decent defensive player, so it's fine. You don't need him well, to score yeah, when you have those yeah, three he's guys. Kinda, he's obviously not going to. He's the distant fifth option. Yeah, right? yeah, distant, exactly. So, <laughs> But Zubak looks pretty good. He looks good. Um, again, when, when this team is healthy and now that they've kind of figured out how to play together, they do look good. They're still kind of keeping all the games close even the games they should win pretty easily they're, like last night yeah they're just they're all pretty close so they they haven't figured out how to separate but uh yeah I, I i think this clippers team is at least on the right track but man Kawhi or paul george goes down that's going to be tricky that's going to be real tricky i don't know what they're going to do yeah we'll see it's Not gonna a lot happen. of depth gonna happen it will all right we're gonna take a quick break coming up on the other side we've got our quarter season nba awards brought to you by new deal distillery that's up next here on blazers edge radio on X-Ray FM. Support for X-Ray comes from Beeline Urban Delivery. Beeline supports businesses with access to zero emission delivery, warehousing, and advertising services. More at b-linepdx.com. Support for X-Ray FM comes from New Deal Distillery, located in Southeast Portland for over 15 years. New Deal Distillery makes craft vodka, gin, bourbon, rye, rum, liqueurs, and more. New Deal spirits are available in their tasting room as well as cocktail lounges and liquor stores near and far. For more information, visit NewDealDistillery.com or their tasting room at 900 Southeast Salmon Street. Support for X-Ray FM comes from Spielman Bagels and Coffee. Opened by Rick Spielman and his son Raf, Spielman has been serving handmade boiled and baked bagels and coffee since 2011. Their flagship store can be found on Southeast 21st and Division, or find one of their other shops on Northwest 23rd and Lovejoy, Northeast 22nd and Broadway, or in Multnomah Village. Back at it here on Blazers Edge Radio. It would normally be time for three questions brought to you by New Deal Distillery. But instead, it is now time for our NBA Quarter Season Awards. Sweet. Figure out these technical difficulties. Trying to play award music and it's not working. Uh, there's, yeah, there, it's it's not working. And now I've I've thrown off the settings and here we are. Okay, but it's the quarter season NBA awards uh, brought to you by New Deal Distillery. They've been located in Southeast Portland uh, for 
uh, almost 20 years now. Since 2004, they make craft vodka, gin, bourbon, rye, rum, liqueurs, and more. Their spirits are available in their tasting room at 900 Southeast Salmon Street, as well as cocktail lounges and liquor stores near and far. More information, as always, is available at New Deal distillery.com. Okay, let's try this one more time. We'll see if we can uh, figure this out. we got to set the mood. Yeah, try to set... Okay, there we go. There we go. Okay, setting the mood here. It is now time for the Blazers Edge Radio's quarter season NBA awards. Sam, um, six awards here. MVP, Rookie of the Year, Coach of the Year, Most Improved, Six Man, Defensive Player of the Year. We will start with the uh, least impressive award that nobody cares about, the Defensive Player. Yeah. Okay? And who are you going with here? Um, I know everybody is saying it's Rudy Gobert. Mm. I can't say Rudy Gobert. I'm saying Anthony Davis. He's having a great <laughs> year. He looks really good. Uh, his his rim protection is elite. He's one of the best rebounders in the league. He's basically the reason the Lakers are good again. Uh, LeBron is, is LeBron still, but Anthony Davis kind of returning to, like, New Orleans Pelicans Anthony Davis has been a and revelation for this team, and he stayed healthy and – so I, I just I can't give it to Rudy Gobert because he's such an overrated player defensively. Anthony Davis is the real deal defensively. His his footwork is great. His switchability is elite. He can play the perimeter. He can play the interior. His opponents aren't scoring on him. He's blocking shots. He's rebounding as one of the best rebounders in the league. It's Anthony Davis for me. That's funny because five minutes before the show, I literally switched mine from Anthony Davis to Rudy. Oh, Hill. no, you didn't. Uh, <laughs> For all the things you mentioned, uh, but then I'm looking saying, you know what? Right now, the Wolves have the best defense in the NBA, and he's the anchor of that team defensively. I got to give it to him. That's what everybody's saying. I know. Man, I know. I didn't want to give it to him either. It's the Utah Jazz all over again. Yep. He's just he's just a bit. He's Moses Brown. He's essentially Moses Brown. He's a big body that can put his hands well up. they still got the top defense so i yeah, gotta give it to him but i had it as ad because he stayed healthy and he's been fantastic but yeah it's funny i went the uh the reverse direction there uh how about six man of the year yeah um i'm going malik monk for That's this who i've got too yeah, yeah. He's, he's been fantastic for the kings um I, and also it's, it's just hard to really think of other there's not like a clear-cut six man no of the year there's no year. brogdon this year or even matherin frankly from yeah, last year with right. the with the pacers and yeah it's got to be malik monk and um he's had a really strong year 15 points three rebounds five assists uh shooting numbers are excellent 43 percent from three-point land um playmaking's been good too playmaking's been good too and he really helped uh get this team over the hump when De'Aaron Fox was out as well. Still coming off the bench. He didn't start throughout that entire time, but he played a much bigger role, particularly with his playmaking. Yeah, uh, 22 games in, Malik Monk's got to be your sixth man of the year. Uh, most improved, I think, is pretty obvious as well, Sam. Easiest it's, one. It's, uh, it's Maxi. Oh. No, who'd you say? Okay, I said Tyrese Halliburton. Oh, no, Tyrese was great last year. Was he great last oh, year? He was, was great he last, year? last year. No, he was great last year. His team wasn't great last year. He was great last year. Tyrese Maxey, to me, is is the the clear front runner for this. Okay. Let me let me hear your thoughts on. So for me, Halliburton was was good last year, but he is great this year, and he's been the the biggest reason that the Pacers have been a competitive team, which I didn't really think they would be. Leading the league in assists at 12. I mean, he was at 10 last year, but he's up almost 
five, uh, almost six points a game. Shooting numbers up across the board as well. He's up over 50% from the field, 52% from the field, up over 44% from three-point land. To me, this is his year. He, you know, we've we've seen it with uh, years past with uh, with a jaw. With last year, the Shea Gilgis Alexander of the guy that has really stepped it up to the next level. Um, and uh, I got to give it to Tyrese Halberton this year. I think he has stepped up his game to another level. So Tyrese is essentially going, what, what's his scoring at this year? 26.3. And up. and 12 assists, right? Yes. And last year he was 20 and 10, basically. Yes. So Tyrese Maxey, to put this in comparison, because it is actually closer than I thought. Tyrese last year was 20 points, three and a half assists. This year he is 27 points, six and a half assists. Well, but there's so, no James Harden there. And I think the fact that you've now thrust him into the lead role and he's run away with that is actually okay. a justification for his case. Okay. Because Tyrese has always been the guy in Indy since he came over in that in that DeMontis Savonis trade. So I I think to me the the Tyrese your justification there is very like Shea Gilgis Alexander last year. Like, yeah, it makes sense, but I don't think he's going to get it because he was still really good last year. And I guess Tyrese Maxey was good last year too, but yeah. he's now kind of the lead ball handler for the Philly team. And Phillies look good this year too. And I guess Indy has too, but yeah, I don't know. To me, it was I expected Philly to still be pretty good. I didn't expect anything out of Indy. And he's carrying this that true. team right now. This is true. So that's this why I, I kind of like Shea last year where he, he it, it just feels very similar to me where you had a team in OKC that nobody expected anything out of and they were much better than expected. Mm-hmm. Shea made the jump. Halberton's made the jump. Yeah. I, that's how I've got him there. Uh, let's go coach of the year. Uh, I got Mark Dagnall. Um, You're going Dagnall. Okay. Yeah. Oklahoma City Thunder. Yeah. They're, they're so good. Um and I think, you know, a lot of this is the roster. They do have a very good roster that's put together. Um, Chet has been phenomenal for them. Mm-hmm. Um, been a huge revelation for that team. We'll talk about him but next, I think. <laughs> I think we're going to. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we at least have to talk about mm-hmm. him, whether or not we're, we're both going with that. But, um, yeah, I mean, they're they're sitting at second in the West right now. Um they're winning a lot of games. They're beating a lot of very good teams. Uh, they're scoring a lot. They're a fun team to watch. Their offensive identity is great. Their switchability on defense is great. And I think a lot of that comes down to Mark Dagnall. Okay, Mark Dagnall. He was not – he probably should have been, but he was not in my short list. I was looking at – the guys I was looking at, I'll leave off the guy who's my coach of the year. Okay. Also under consideration, Ime Udoka. Sure. For Houston, because there's yeah. no reason that yeah. team should be 11 and nine. <laughs> yeah, right? they should be 0 and 20. Right? There's no reason they should be any good. And so I got to give Ime Udoka credit. Although for that. I, I, I got to give the caveat on Houston because we talked about him a while ago. Houston is one and eight on the road. They've yeah, won one game on the road out. out of nine, and so they they only win at home, and they've had a very easy schedule. Also, I think they've still played the least amount of games in the NBA. Okay. So. Well, we can but come back to eBay. But they're but... still much better than I expected oh, them yeah. to be, Without so i got to give him credit. Uh, Jamal Mosley, yep. uh, Orlando, he's Definitely. got them right now a game out of first place in the East. They look to be legitimate. He was my second place. He was your second yep. place. Okay. Other guy that I've got on here. What did I have? I had somebody else that I neglected to write down. 
Uh, so we'll skip that. We'll go to my winner. Okay. It was not Mark Dagnall, believe it or not. It was uh, it was those two. Emay kind of is a you know dark horse guy. Good for you that you're not a dumpster fire <laughs> down there. And then it was you know Jamal Mosley. You're doing a great yeah, job. Great job with uh, Orlando. But right now I got to give it to the team that's got the best record in the league. Even though they probably shouldn't have any business with the best record in the league, it's the Minnesota Timberwolves and Chris Finks. This yeah. was a this was a team that took a huge step backwards. It looked like the Rudy Gobert trade was going to set this team back a decade. Yeah. And you know it's early, but 22 games in, they've got the best record in the league. They've got the top defense. I've got to give uh, I've got to give Chris Finks his, his credit here. Is uh, he's clearly done something right with Minnesota. Yeah. And I've got him as my quarter season coach of the year right now. They got the best record. They. Uh, coming into this year, I didn't think they were anywhere near the best team. I didn't even think they were a playoff team. And the fact that they are 17-5 and has really stood out to me. So uh, he's my coach of the year. Any thoughts on what, where was uh, Finch for you? Uh, Finch was three. Just because I, I don't think it's going to last. <laughs> that's, that's it's l- not, but i got to give it to him now. I yeah. think other guys I was I was tossing up. Uh, I think Nick Nurse has done a really good job in Philly. Mm, that's uh, a good point. Rick Carlisle. Has, Rick Carlisle is my other guy other now one? that you mentioned. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. of the, the Pacers again. Yeah, they look good. I've they thought of the good. Pacers like I thought of the Timberwolves as they were just kind of irrelevant. Yeah. Right? And too. all of a sudden they're, in, you know, they're, they're pretty good. But, yeah, Nick Nurse is a good one too because you forget that Philly's got a new coach, Yep, and they look really good. They're right there among the tops in the Eastern Conference, so you got to give him credit as well. A lot of great coaches out there. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw a different one at you, Sam. Uh, worst coach of the year? Uh, Chauncey? I don't have Chauncey. <laughs> I, there's somebody doing a worse job than Chauncey. Who is that? Monty Williams. Oh, yeah. The Detroit Pistons yeah, have lost. Tw- Do you that, remember like a that's month true. ago when I said, watch out for the Pistons? They've got some talent. Yeah, you did. Yeah, you I did. Don't th- I literally <laughs> don't think they've won since then. They've lost 20 games in a row. Yeah. There's for, no way they would have won since then. No, they're, no it's you impossible. You wouldn't have said that. <laughs> they I might hope. Not, they might not win again. They're <laughs> they right now 2-21. So they've got Cade Cunningham. I mean... Yeah, what is going on they're, in Detroit? Uh, they're challenging for that. That you remember that historically bad Philly season in the trust the process era. Yep. They're they're challenging. They for are that right challenging now. that right now. They're challenging that hard. Yeah, twenty consecutive yeah. losses. Two and twenty one. Steven, can you look up the longest losing streak in NBA history? I know the winning streak is like thirty three, um, but twenty's got to be close. I know. I know when they hit nineteen, it was the longest in Pistons history. Okay, so they're they've at least set a and franchise. And they had some record. bad teams back oh, yeah, in the day. Did. Steven, you got our. Uh... Okay, this is going to shock you, so you should be seated for this. Okay, it's got to be the Sixers, the... right? No, oh. Cleveland Cavaliers, twenty-four game skid over parts of two seasons in nineteen eighty-two, which was eventually uh, no, it was passed by this Philadelphia seventy sixers twenty-eight game run over parts of two seasons in 2015. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's but that's parts of two seasons. So yeah, I, I don't count that. That's tough to count. Yeah. That's tough to count. But, okay, 28. They can get there. They can get there for sure. They're they're two-thirds. They're more than two-thirds of the way there. They can do it <laughs> uh, if you're looking to Detroit. Wow, Monty Williams. My God, I thought that was a great hire. But there's – there's, I mean, there's talent there. Yeah, there is. They And they were a team that – they're on the timeline where they should start being competitive. Right. They this should. This isn't year one. This yeah. is like year – now, I know last year was kind of a lost well, year. Is, yeah. So we'll call it year two even, but, I mean, God, yeah, terrible, awful. Terrible, terrible, terrible. Yikes. Sitting at a 8.7 win percent right now. Whew. That's not good. Not good. Uh, rookie of the year. Uh, real quick, Steve. Uh, real quick. 
The yeah. longest one within one season losing streak was the Cleveland Cavaliers, 2010 to 2011, 26 games. Okay, they're Ooh. knocking at that door. We'll, Ooh, they're getting we'll, real close. <laughs> we will we will keep our eyes on there and wait with bated breath to see if they can overtake them as the worst stretch in NBA history. Rookie of the year is the two-man race, yeah. Sam. Um, it's the guy that's not technically a rookie because yep. he missed all of last year, but he's playing his first time in Chet Holmgren versus the uh, presumed rookie of the year going into the year, Victor Wembanyama. And I got to give it to Chet. Yeah, I – man, I, I've been – literally flip-flopping on this constantly because Chet has I think he's definitely been more efficient he Much is more efficient. he is yep. he's fit into this role as good as you could have possibly imagined the thing with Victor is he's on a really really bad team who's essentially running a point guard that isn't a point guard and trying to figure out how to play the position in Jeremy Sohan and his usage is I saw the stat. His usage is higher than LeBron James and Damian Lillard. Wow. Which is crazy. So for a rookie to do as well as he's doing, I think I still have a slight edge towards Wembenyama because I think he has done slightly better than Chet in statistics. Chet's been more efficient, but he's Victor has the slight statistical edge in a really, really bad system, basically having to do it all himself his rookie year. So, to me, Victor has, like, a toe in front of Chet Holmgren. But, man, this is going to be a close race. I think Chet probably edges out towards the end. But right now, I have Victor. Okay, we'll see. And then uh, MVP, Sam. Another tough one. Um, probably should have left more time for this, but yeah, that's how it goes. I'm a, we got distracted by the Pistons. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go Luka this year. Oh, Luka? Yeah, I think Embiid is... The That's best player right now. I don't think they're going to give it to him again, especially after he won it last year, and then Jokic was clearly the better player in the playoffs. Yep. So I think Kyrie going down now, Luka's going to take a big step forward. I think the Mavs are still going to be good, and I think that's going to help his narrative a lot. Okay. And he's been fantastic this year. Really, yeah. really amazing. Yeah, I've got Embiid just because no one else has stood out enough to knock him off. Yet. And he's been fantastic. And he's leading too. the league in scoring 33.4. He stayed healthy. Um, so I, I got to keep it with Embiid for now. But, yeah, you, that's a good point. W- depending on how long Kyrie's out, Luka's got a real chance to get a stranglehold on this yep, award. Totally. Because it's not it, – it's a pick em at this point. Yeah. Right? It's not – nobody stands out. And for that reason, that's why I got to give it to Joel. All right, that was uh, our quarter season NBA awards. Uh, Blazers um, uh, back home on Thursday night against the mighty Utah Jazz. That'll be a fun one. (laughs) (laughs) So so stay tuned for that. We'll recap that coming up uh, next Tuesday right here on Blazers Edge Radio. But stick around on X-Ray FM because Flying Saucer Safari is coming up next.